sleek new hydrofoil is scheduled to start ferrying passengers between Bayport and Cape Cutlass. But business enemies of the hydrofoil owner have stirred up a hornet's nest of violent opposition among small boat owners. Fearing sabotage, he begs Frank and Joe Hardy to guard the Flying Express on her maiden trip. Startling developments plunge the teenage detectives in a dangerous chase by sea, air, and land in a pursuit of a gang of hardened criminals who operate by the signs of the Zodiac. The Hardys' close pal Chet Morton tries to help them by using his newly acquired knowledge of astrology. Tension mounts when the Flying Express vanishes, and so does Sam Radley, Mr. Hardy's skilled operative. Has Radley been kidnapped? Is he a prisoner aboard the stolen hydrofoil? Peril stalks Frank and Joe at every move as they hunt down the terrifying gang leader Zodiac Zig and his vicious henchmen. Stop me if I'm crazy. Okay. But if you have in captivity the sons of your sworn enemy who you're trying to kidnap, couldn't you somehow leverage them to get him to come to you? Yes. Or... But... What has happened many times is that it's the sort of thing where the crooks find out that they have Fenton Hardy's kids and immediately are like, oh, oh no. <laughs> like, he's coming. Hear, yeah, it's a, it's the moment where you hear like booms in the distance yeah, and like, gunshots. You killed John Wick's dog? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's 2020 and there are too many podcasts. This one is the Hardy Boys Drink Book. Each episode, we sat down with creative and hilarious people and talked about a book in the Hardy Boys mystery series. Then, we'd have a custom cocktail to sip while we read. Today's guest is Mike Marlowe. Learn about hydrofoil physics, wear a dress, and help us bring this podcast to a close in the final episode of the Hardy Boys Drink Book Podcast, The Mystery of the Flying Express, featuring Mike Marlowe. Hey there, detectives. Welcome to a very special Hardy Boys drink book podcast. This is the final episode of the podcast, and we are uh, so excited that you're here to join us. Joining me today, he was here for the first episode. He was here for episode number 10, and uh, he is here for our final episode. Mike Marlowe, thank you for being here. Oh, so excited. This is an honor. Uh, Well, it's an honor to have you. We are reading the 20th book in the Hardy Boys mystery series. We're reading The Mystery of the Flying Express. Well, everybody, I think, at this point knows a little bit about Franklin W. Dixon. Franklin W. Dixon is better known as the inventor of the convection oven. Oh. Yeah, and usually I would go over a little bit about the history of the Hardy Boys books, but I don't think that's necessary at this point. If you're on episode 20, you probably know. We're reading the 60s version of this, and there's a lot of protesters. Do you think that these are additions you know, now that you say that, yeah, I could see it, especially because the protest caper yeah. is so inconsequential when that little, like, dual moment... No, it's good. Yeah. It's like something out of, uh, like, Archie Comics. There are protesters. It's the first time there have been protesters in a Hardy Boys uh, mystery. This mystery has a lot of new things in it, and it's like, I think it's a very good closeout to the books that we've done. How did you feel about the mystery of the Flying Express? As a, like, mystery and plot, it was actually kind of good by Hardy yeah. Boy standards. Yeah, I certainly didn't know what was going on a lot of the time. Well, let's, let's just dive into the story. It starts with Chet rolling up in the Queen. And I love the opening. Yeah. That it says, an explosion rocks Bay Port. Like, oh, and it's yes. just Chet's loud car. I love that. But that's No, nope, that's, that's good. That shows clever. you that they're actually trying to take... Because I read it. If you, open, if you open this book as a kid, you read the first sentence. 
Loud explosions, like a fusillade of gunfire, echoed through the quiet streets of Bayport. You're I'm like, in. I'm in. <laughs> and then it's like an old jalopy careened around the corner. Oh, it's Chet. Um, and Chet pulls his weight. No pun intended. Yeah. In this, in Chet's this book. actually the MVP of this mystery. Really, Chet acquits himself. He doesn't bumble hardly ever. No, at he the gets end of fired. It, but for but really, it's not his fault. No, it's totally unreasonable. Way. Yeah, well, that has happened before. A he's cute been... girl at one point even says, "You know, he's pretty handsome for a heavy fella." Yeah, she has to, you know. Yeah. She clarifies <laughs> which, where she's scaling him, mm-hmm. but I uh... no fatties no. in nineteen twenties, thirties, or sixties revisions. <laughs> no. So Chet rolls up and he says that the Flying Express, jumping right into the title of it, the Flying Express is a hydrofoil, which there's been a hydrofoil on the show before. Hydrofoils are large boats that uh, have struts and then they have fins under the water and then as they go, they explain the arrow. Great. Aquadynamics. Very impromptu and in very great detail. And I actually love that when they're explaining in depth the hydrofoil, <laughs> Joe starts and then like Frank picks it up. And Chet like, at one point says, I get it, fellas. And then they continue for an entire other uh, paragraph. And they, yeah, he's like, no, no, guys, stop it, drop it. I'll, I drop it. And then they just keep going. Uh, because it's really important to explain how Lyft is created. Who invented it? Who invented um, it? There's oh, a yeah. lot. They really, I mean, this is like early wiki. Before wiki, it yeah. was really impressive to have they, this amount of casual knowledge. They read knowledge. this information two days ago. And yeah. they, it's still in there, mm-hmm. but they've been waiting for a chance to use it. Just like Chet's brand new fascination yes. with astrology. That's Chet's thing in this book. He's had things. Often it's been like inventions or meteorology. Oftentimes, though, I think in the revisions, whatever connection that had to the plot has been removed because it has nothing to do with it. Mm -hmm. In this, it really seems like for the entire book, like it has nothing to do with anything except the horoscope is on the freaking cover of the book. Mm -hmm. So you know it plays a role. But I thought it was just because Chet was so obsessed that it kind of... Cast Overtook. A, yeah, it's like cast a shadow over the whole mystery. I really get the sense that like the last time they hung out with Chet was Sunday, but on Wednesday everything's everything's by the sides. <laughs> Chet's is making all of his decisions now yeah. based on a magazine he found. Yes, absolutely. One magazine. He got bored somewhere and read it, and then it changed his entire life. Holy cow! This very very vague but general information that applies to everybody sure does apply to me yeah it, it gives him something valuable to contribute to the hardy mm-hmm. boys detective abilities Indeed. and he's like and i can use my psychic future abilities and mm-hmm. they're like oh okay hey. and they do entertain it for quite a while till the point that they snap at him and tell him to knock it off mm-hmm. they roll up and there's a bunch of picketers with placards and one of the placard says stop the flying express make barmit bay safe one of the sign painters suddenly pushed the placard into his hand frank and joe received the same treatment from a couple of paint smeared teenagers before they realized it the hardys and chet were holding slogans of protest against the hydrofoil stay we have nothing to do with you guys chet shouted angrily watch it Joe warned. Here comes a TV news truck. Let's get out of here. Hurriedly, the boys threw down the placards, but it was too late. The truck swept past, its lens pointed directly at them. Holy catfish, they got us. Joe groaned. I love that the idea of them participating in a peaceful protest is is shameful. Oh my God. They're treating it like um, 
like they went over to be like, hey, Westboro, what? Yeah. And then the people were like, hold these signs. And they were like, <laughs> and then a funeral went What's by. What's this? God hates. Took, oh, no. And then people took photos of, <laughs> of them. Hart, Fenton Hardy's boys. Wow. Protesting. Shameful. And then, but fortunately, the first time of many. The check comes through. Yes. Shows up. All out of nowhere. First, it looks like first, Chet bails. First, yeah, Chet kind of disappears. The cops show up. Mm-hmm. No one asks these protesters what they're protesting and no. why. No. They never occurs to They're them. just troublemakers. Yeah, they're and like, it's... oh, protesters. I, I've mm. heard about protesters. Mm-hmm. They run up to the policeman, to the chief colleague, and they're like, we're, you know, we have nothing to do with this. Please, God, you know, help us. Yeah. We're, we're, we're good straight-laced boys, yeah. still, chief. They're like, well, what did your sign say? And Chet's been painting on one of the signs, and you lift up the sign, it says Frank Hardy for mayor. Hilarious. Boom, and smooth. Yes. Like, no one notices. It doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. No. But everyone thinks it's hilarious, including even the police officer smiles a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it's like, all right, well, that's that's pretty funny, Frank yeah. Hardy. But, yeah, very, And then the protesters smooth. kind of evaporate, and so they're like, uh... They, the narration says that the ugly mood of the protesters evaporated, but I think that the cops just showed up. Yeah. That's usually why the mm-hmm. protesters dissipate. And the only negative connotation comes from them getting the signs, because otherwise the protesters make sense in the story, yep. because someone's out to sabotage this hydrofoil, yep. and part of ri- and they're riling up public opinion against this. So the, the protesters aren't bad guys. No. They're just responding to public opinion being riled up uh, by the bad guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I like that when they go home and they talk to Aunt Gertrude, she's like, were you involved in protests? And they're like, no, 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 we were with the police. We were licking the boot. Like, Chet had... saved us. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Chet gets strawberry rhubarb pie, which is like my favorite kind of pie. He uses the trick on Aunt Gertrude that gets people to believe in horoscopes is that he just says very generally flattering things yes. about her sign Everybody based on else her birth. is doomed. Like every sign that he mentions in this book. People are out for trouble. Oh, trouble. Oh, Gemini, trouble. Oh, mm-hmm. Taurus, trouble. Aries, trouble. And then he gets to Aunt Gertrude, and he's like, oh, you're a beautiful woman. What? Mm-hmm. And then he's like, oh, you're, uh, I don't remember what. He's it Virgo the Virgin. Virgo, Virgo the Virgin. You're, you're virtuous and sweet, and you make rational decisions, and yeah. you dress well, and yeah. She's like, oh, well, then maybe horoscopes are mm-hmm. for real. Sometimes you're sad. <gasps> Sometimes I am sad, but I do dress well. It's my, it's the dream interpretation thing where like, uh, are you worried about the future or things you can't control? And it's Mm. like, I love the idea of like a spider in dreams. It's like, you're, oh, it it means fear of things you can't control or good things are going to happen. Like anything could mean that. Oh, and then what? There's a lurker. Oh no, it's just a guy. Just a phone call, I think. No, a guy shows up. It's Spencer Givens. Spencer Givens. The owner of the Flying Express Hydrofoil. I totally picture it as like being played by Wallace Shawn. Well, I don't know. It'd be great if it was Wallace Shawn now. Like maybe something (laughs) old Wallace Shawn. But a young, like, or his maybe even better, his character that he voices in The Incredibles. Of the front he's just constant Wallace he's this guy who just flips out about money. He's super cheap. He's always panicking. He's Right. He won't hire Fenton uh because he's too expensive, so he'll hire his teenage kids. Yeah. And nobody bats an eye at this at all. He's like, I want you to be my muscle and ride on this threatened you know, uh, hydrofoil. And they beat people up all the time. <laughs> Except in this book where, no. jo- yeah, Frank Chet, and Joe can't Chet fight. Chet definitely mm-hmm. is the fighter in this one. But when he's over, the TV news comes on and everyone's like, well, everyone stop. Let's watch the news. Yeah. He immediately snaps. Yeah. 
And it's like, you were with the picketers trying to run me out of business. No. Not, not connecting. Wacky. Yeah. Um, which would have been funny if that played out more. Mm-hmm. No, it ends there. Yeah, They're like, both no. times. And then they see Chet sign. He's like, oh. Oh, I guess it was. And it does. Yeah, that joke. was the oddest thing that it did the exact same thing twice, twice. for zero gain. For, yeah, the exact same thing paid off. It would have been nice if they just let the idea that they were protesting against it be yeah. a story thing that went. Now, I hate to, you know, rewrite the author, but in sure. a simple sense, wouldn't it be like, I'm not hiring you, Hardies. Uh, blah, get out. And he just storms away, and they're like, oh, gosh, but the hydrofoil's still in danger, and then they have to sneak around and avoid yeah. the fussy owner yeah, while solving the, the mystery. Yeah, he thinks they're the saboteurs. Nah. No, that's too many layers. It's fine. Do you think any kids learned or, or thought they learned anything about horoscopes? From this book? One or two, Like, at least. remembered, like, oh, Aries, they're the yeah. blah, blah, blah. And they got it from the one mm-hmm. Hardy Boys book. The guy so, that wrote The Secret Language of Birthdays. It yes, all started. With this, the mystery of the Flying or Express. Or Lady, I'm sorry, if I'm really angering fans of The Secret Language of Birthdays. I really like that chapter three, Hot Merchandise, uh, starts with the phrase, Leaping Libras. Used to be Leaping Lizards, Leaping Libras now. Yep, and they do get an ominous phone call. Yep. As Says don't tradition. take the case, don't protect the, the standard. You know, mm-hmm. the case has begun, so someone calls them. And they're like, who could have called us and known to call us so quickly? Somebody who followed us home. So they run to a phone booth, and there's what looks like a woman runs mm-hmm. out of the phone booth. But she had a deep voice on the a phone. A man. It sound, that has to be a man. Yeah. And, you know, which Joe assumes, like, oh, the caller sounded like a man, but that's a lady. And Frank, and actually the only bit of detection or keeping possibilities open he does for the rest of the book is, uh, well, maybe she's got a very deep voice. Yeah. He tries to disprove their first theory, <laughs> which they're like, hey, knock that off. Mm-hmm. Okay. We start with one theory. It pans out. Yeah. They find out that Mr. Hardy, he like gets home, right? From Shark Island. Island, where his case is, yes, way better I, as always. Just like in the first book we read, where he chased that, where he disguised himself as a homeless man, chased a guy on the top of a train. Yeah, his adventure is so much better, and he just pops. What are you doing? Just rocking on Shark Island, oh, fighting I'm these elite boat thieves. thieves. Yeah. I did think he's chasing these boat thieves that they go into an area. It seems like they strip all the boats of their parts and then they go around asking, Hey, do you guys need any parts? I bet we have them. Yeah. And then when people are like, well, yeah, I mean, I guess my, uh, my keel is missing the day they come in, you know, or whatever. Here's your old part back. Yeah. It made me think of the airbag King of Florida, which was a real thing that happened where a guy had all these commercials. And we saw them once when we were in Florida. If you had your airbag stolen, come to my warehouse we have an airbag that will fit in your car. We're sure of it. Yeah. Um, and it, and it went, worked for him for quite a while until it turned out he was responsible for all the mistakes. <gasps> if you can't trust the airbag king, the of, airbag Florida, king of Florida, the whole, qu- the whole concept of monarchy really... I know, it kind, kind of collapses. Relevant later, um, Fenton is like, oh, be sure to activate the tracking beacon on the sleuth, your in boat. In case it gets stolen. stolen. They have a tracking beacon that they can activate. That's pretty cool. Yeah. How does that work? It's the old, It's like the No Country for Old Men money thing where yeah. they drive around and it just beeps. Beeps. So, yeah, that's exactly what they're doing. They drive around yeah. later. Hopefully just, no one takes your boat to Florida. Yeah, too far away for it to beep. Check gets a job, though. He always gets a summer job, but it's always the summer between their, like, junior and senior years of high school. Mm-hmm. 
So how many jobs has Chet had? He has one week jobs all throughout the summer. Day. For 78 books or whatever. There's a couple that were just like less yep. than a half hour. He worked at that. He worked at, yeah, like a sugar uh, mill for like 48 hours. And then the boys got him fired. Yeah, but he gets a job at a marina. They decide, yeah, so they're going to they're gonna ride on the Flying Express the next day. And so they, Callie and Iola show up. Knowing it's in danger, they bring their girlfriend. Yes, knowing that someone is saying that they're going to sabotage it and will rest at nothing to destroy the ship. And the maiden voyage of the Flying Express is my favorite sequence. This is, in a, this, a lot goes down. It's the worst first day of a small business ever. The, the point of the Flying Express is that it's going to leave from Barnet Bay in uh, where the Hardy Boys live in Bayport. And it's going to go to... Cape Cutlass, which is like a resort community. Mm -hmm. The two girls were attractive in different ways. Iola Morton, a brunette, had mobile features, sparkling eyes, and a lot of vitality. She was wearing a pink suit. Callie Shaw was blonde, tall, and slender. She wore a yellow skirt and striped jacket. In two years, the Hardy Boys will go into the public domain. I always, you know, just desperately hope that somebody very deliberately and literally adapts these books. So much so that when they go to pick up their girlfriends, one of them is wearing a pink suit and the other one is wearing a skirt and striped jacket. This begins, this boat ride begins, the Hardy Boys just failing. And yeah, the ship takes off. The boys split up to go, immediately split up. search around. To go to different ends of the ship. And Frank, like, just leans over one of the railings or something. No, it's down there. (laughs) <laughs> and gets a good shove. And this sequence is pretty awesome. Like in an action movie, this is like a Fast and the Furious awesome because he falls and he grabs the hydrofoil. Like <laughs> that water's hitting him. Atlantic Ocean, Northern Atlantic, frozen seawater. It's tearing at his body. body. It's just, and he's like grips and he pulls himself up and he's hanging off it and he's just <laughs> bam, bam, and just frozen water's hitting him. And then a woman yells, Man overboard! And yeah. they stop. They'd gloss over how the hydrofoil doesn't just fall on him that he's clinging yeah. to. Let's not worry. Oh, yeah. Because he can't, if he, if he falls off the hydrofoil, he gets sucked into the he's, propeller. Yeah, we should exactly. mention that. The propeller is paramount. He couldn't just like let right go behind. and let the boat drive off, which also wouldn't have been great. But anyway. Yeah, he would have been a little piece. He's back on the boat. And this shows the <laughs> trauma, I think, of the Hardy Boys, their constant peril. They've reached that point where nothing he's like, moves the needle. Yeah. Wait for a little dip back there. This is just a Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they don't look around like, grab people. Who could have put, you know, start looking for suspects. Nothing. Just, ah, well, almost died again today. I, anyway. I like that when he gets on board, they're like, what, how did, like, who who saw you falling? He's like, some woman, like, yelled that, uh, you know, yelled and saved my life. And Callie immediately was like, is she pretty? <laughs> uh, okay, crazy. Great characterization <laughs> there. A lot of, a lot of. Frank, I didn't have time to notice. this? Let's yeah. see, does this book pass the Bechtel test? No. No, at no point do any women discuss anything. And this is, all, this is all what? A page and a half, the falling, yeah. the grabbing, everything. He's back on board. And the next page, a plane <laughs> dive bombs the hydrofoil. Wacky, hydro wacky races. Yeah. And drops a log. Yeah, I just wrote wacky. A huge log. It seems like it, it only grazes and hits the bumps, but it knocks everybody down. Immediately, these people are like... They've been on on the open water for 10 minutes. A passenger has fallen overboard, <laughs> and a plane dropped a log in front of the boat. 
before they get to shore, oh, though, the third, the best crazy thing is they come around, they hear a commotion and they come around the corner and two women are having a fist fight. They're just, and one woman, like she leans back and just wham, like a more heavyset woman. They point yes. out a heavyset woman fighting the slender blonde woman who was the one who ran from the yes. phone booth earlier. What's going on? But then both of their wigs fall off. No, actually, one of one. their wigs falls off. Yes. And, and it's Chet. Chet. The heavyset woman is Chet, and the other one runs and escapes. Chet, dressed as a woman. Because he couldn't get on, he couldn't get a ticket for himself, but he had, a, I, who knows. But anyway, he ended up, Chet, Chet found out that by dressing as a woman, he could gain access to the hydrofoil and get close to this other woman mm-hmm. who had called him from the phone booth. And then Chet just saw that it was a man and... Mm-hmm. Attack Back, just goes for it, and Chet, who had a convincing enough disguise that no, not his detective <laughs> friends didn't see a heavy set woman, was like, "Hey, there's Chet in a wig over there." Once, <laughs> but Chet also a whips to, who whipped together this incredible disguise with just some yeah. of his sister's clothes and a oh, wig that she had, ruined. and he does because he ruins them, and then he takes them off, puts them in a bag, and just throws them off the side. Oh yeah, and he says, "Don't tell my sister," <laughs> who also was her wig. I don't know for a costume. Galleys. Yeah. Yeah. But I really like that uh that he's like just don't tell her. So that later when she goes and looks for those things, she's like, Where did they go? go. Anyway. It was, it's a mystery. But that's the eventful boat. Yeah, the the and the whole boat ride is five pages, six pages. Yep. And all this stuff happens. Uh they get to oh, when they do talk to Fenton. They're like, hey, can you maybe check out that plane that tried to drop a log on us? And he's like, you know, there's lots of planes, kids. <laughs> I've got stuff to do on Shark Island. <laughs> Let's see. They go to this Photoshop, right? Yep, they go. And so the, the boat drops off in Providence is one of those, like, cruise ship tourist yeah. stop. It's like a boardwalk. There's a bunch of hippie people. artists, apparently. Yeah, it was, they say but it's more friendly. They say it's an artist colony. Yeah. And I was like... Oh my god, are we going to meet hippies? Are we going to meet the Hardy Boys version of like hippie artists? No. There's a knickknack shop. That's what they mean. There's mm-hmm. a photography store where you can buy yeah, cameras. Yeah, it's all very Michaels yes. in terms yes. of the artist. Absolutely. Which is fine if you like Michaels. I mean, yeah, if you're looking to, on your day trip to mm-hmm. the you know seaside town, if you're looking to buy mm-hmm. some hotel art. And the girls are just like, we'll catch up with you boys later. See you in an hour. Hour or two. And they go shopping because, you know, men can't. Wander around while women shop. And, yeah, and look at knickknack stores as well, which is yeah. what they were going to do. That's actually what they end up doing, is they end up casing a bunch of knickknack stores. Yeah, and they just kind of wander around, not much. They see a dude painting, and whenever anybody tries to walk over and look at what he's painting, he covers it up, mm. and the boys are immediately suspicious mm. of that. Because, like, why wouldn't... Like, painters who paint out in public want you to see what yeah. they're painting. painting. Oh, and it's it looks like some sort of, like sketch of the harbor he's it's like just the harbor out. yeah he's drawing yeah he's... and all the boats and then they see him and he runs off this guy uh immediately makes the boys suspicious which made me think he was a bad guy but the boys are dumb in this one yeah. they're always pretty dumb but they're especially dumb in this one they're supposed to go meet iola and callie at and Pizza then the Palace. girls don't show up right. and that there's a little brief like the, the girls are missing and it seems like it's going to be a thing and then they see the girls dresses it's weird they're jackets in a shop and get the police and break the door down but it's just their clothes on mannequins and the mannequins are uh on the floor like they're so they look into a clothes like a shop and they're like hey is that our girlfriend's pastor on the ground (laughs) yeah and they're like they're not moving 
oh my god, they've been seriously hurt. And then they get the police, yeah, and they kick down the door, and it's just some mannequins. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure the police are like, why did we do this? (laughs) And then the girls show up, and they're like, oh, someone stole our jackets. And okay, and... Again, Frank George is like, hey, well, that's weird. Well, yeah. here, they were, here they are. We found them on these mannequins that were... And At one point, the girls even say, like, did you ever investigate the store where our jackets were stolen to figure out why they did that? And they're like, oh, hey. You uh, know what, girls? Maybe yeah. you should be the detectives. <laughs> so anyway, they get back on the boat. And the boat turns around and is immediately rammed by another boat. Just bam! When they get on the boat, they realize that it has about one-third the passengers it had before because nobody has booked the boat back after a plane tried to drop a freaking log on it and there was two men in drag fighting on the upper deck. Which just means less people were jostled by a boat ramming it suddenly. Just bam! It's two boats. They almost almost hit one boat. But then that boat barely escapes, and then they crash full on and vaporize another boat. And they, everyone except the boys acts like people have died. Mm-hmm. That's what I think is funny. The boys like instinctively just, know that yeah. no one has died. They just jump into the water. They they heroically leap in and look for people. No one seems and to be around. And there's no one there, and there's like they they're of no help and climb back in. And I think it made them kind of look like they were just looking for attention. They're mm-hmm. like, oh, it's about us. And then they didn't even get to save anybody, and they yeah. looked like idiots. Mm-hmm. But then they volunteer to come back because there's no real wreckage found. Like they're yes. trying to get the mystery. But so we dive. Skin divers. Yes. So they come back the next morning to dive, which happens in the next paragraph. Yes. Then they dive. Where Joe gets nitrogen narcosis, which yeah. is a thing, yeah. and does like now Frank's reaction to grab him and immediately launch to the surface Swim as fast, fast as, as possible. <laughs> Terrible. It, it, so if anyone happens to read the mystery of the flying express for scuba is, tips, no, yeah, I can safely say this is a horrible thing to do. Really, if someone if someone is suffering from nitrogen narcosis, it's a very common and simple thing. All you do is gently take them up about fifteen feet, very slowly, <laughs> and they'll be fine. No, they snap right no, out of no. it. They were around a hundred feet down. They decided to go up as launching, like yeah. Oh, don't. <laughs> Please oh, don't ever do that, anyone who Joe. Uh, yeah, it was panics while their friend has nitrogen narcosis. <laughs> do you remember Rance Nepo? Oh, He's yeah. the guy that owns the camera store. Rance Nepo, yep. Pops back up. Weird guy. Yeah. Um, hard to tell if he was... Like, I, I, I don't understand. They definitely suspect him of something because he's a weirdo. He sneers a lot yeah. and leers And his a name lot. is Rance Nepo. Rance Nepo, not a good guy name. A good guy's name is like Clark Gregg. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. That's a good yeah. name. Joe Hardy. Joe Hardy. And that's a name you can set your watch to. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, they, they met the weird, shady Rance Nepo. <laughs> Let's check in with our bingo real quick. I was just thinking about it because I saw diving on mine. I have explosion. I also have diving. But I don't think that explosion, when it's just um, Chet's car. But then again, it did say explosions. Yeah. So you know what? It counts. Mm-hmm. Um, does a trap, have we had a trap already? Does that, the log count as a trap? I guess there's, I mean, yeah. A trap? I, I don't know. I won't. I will, uh, we're going to hold a off on A disguise for sure. I have that one. Mm-hmm. I've got attempted murder. Yes. Um, diving oh. and a disguise. That's great. So far, we're uh, the so, boys leave Bayport. They do. They did. They definitely they did. Have they left got Bayport. One. I mean, while hydrofoil is an invention, I can't honestly no, count it because, because it's an not, invention has to be. You know, yeah, a plot point. Fenton Hardy has appeared. I got so we all got a free square. I have. Oh, I have the sleuth. I have a shipwreck, 
And a shipwreck is usually, they go to a place where a ship has crashed. Mm -hmm. A ship was vaporized by the hydrofoil. I don't know. Uh, I think that that's a shipwreck. I'm gonna, you know, due to overall nautical shenanigans, yes. I think it's Most a fair one. Most of the ship one. stuff happens in mm -hmm. here. Okay, Let's so... Let's see, where are we at? What do they find when they dive? Because Joe's just fine after his nitrogen narcosis and serious case of the mm -hmm. bends. Um, they find the motor of the crash boat, and it's had a serial number grinded off. Yes, and which no... is a clue in mm -hmm. and of itself. And so, I guess in a bit of detecting, they kind of, they've assumed that, okay, the first boat towed the second boat. Yes. And launched it. Because they found, like, a long tow chain yes. or something down there as mm -hmm. well. Pretty good detective work. Yeah. They're, they're doing some actual finding things and thinking about what those things might mean. How do they end up in this cabin? That's right. They're out at, at Cutlass or Cape Cutlass. Mm -hmm. And they stay in a little, because they're they there overnight. They a little cabin. And yeah, this little cottage. Yeah, with them and Chet. And they're woken up sort of Arthur Dent style. Like, <laughs> and, and Bulldozer takes out their cabin in the morning. Yes. <laughs> and they barely escape, I think. Yeah, they were almost cut in half by the Bulldozer's blade. And the bulldozer operator, he's shocked. He doesn't... Yeah, he almost murdered this three teenage yes. boys. And that's not how he wanted to spend his morning. And he apologizes, but he doesn't seem that concerned. Well, we got the order to bulldoze this shack. This was back in, in the 20s. You bulldoze shacks all the time. There were people in them. It, it was... <laughs> Sometimes there weren't people in them. You know, you didn't check. The thing is, the shack's coming down. Yeah. If the homeless people didn't want to be there, they wouldn't be in there. Yeah. Well, they're homeless now because mm -hmm. the shack is gone. Uh, he works for the Fidelo company. Like, well, and of course the boys are like, can we speak to Mr. Fidelo? And he's like, that's you know, not like, a guy. That's not a guy. Not a totally unreasonable question, but no. Fidelo is not a guy. No. The actual and legal name, as far as we know, of the owner of the Fidelo company, Big Malarkey? Big Malarkey. And when he said his boss was named Big Malarkey, my first thought was he's joking with the boys and mm -hmm. saying like, I'm not telling you the name yeah. of the boss. But then they go look it up, and that boss's name is Big L Malarkey. It's He's his, the actual owner guy. of the company. The Malarkey family was like, this is our son, Big. I forgot to mention that Chet did get fired because one of his jobs <sighs> as an assistant at the marina was to make sure none of the marina, like, count the boats every morning. Mm -hmm. And Chet turned around for like a second, and one of the boats was stolen. And then after the whole uh, them almost dying by being crushed by a bulldozer incident, they find the the stolen boat just like out floating at sea and mm -hmm. they just happen to kind of come across and it. it's fine so he so chet just gets his job back. back which i'm like mr hinkley didn't at all be like but how'd you find it why'd you lose it like because I, yeah. I would just assume the boys were part of the gang but and that whole thing is again a page and a half doesn't maybe mean things happen really rapidly yeah because it's not they don't recover it later or it's missing crucial parts that they find no they, they find the boat bring it back it's great great everything's fine so Turns yeah out that big malarkey and uh spencer given the guy who owns a hydrofoil are both developers who are competing it's a rivalry so these are the stakes now yeah you see that you, this really gives you the sense of oh this whole little seaside town because Big Malarkey's promoting, drive a car. <laughs> yes, take the bus. Spencer, yeah, and then there's the other, you know, take the hydrofoil. How this impacts the realist, who's going to make more money in the real estate yes. is never adequately explained. But Big Malarkey <laughs> is very clear that only one of them will be successful. Yes. There's not enough money in the small Cape of Providence to... <laughs> to support both of them having a business. Even though they're both successful businessmen at this point who already live there. Yeah, but they've gambled 
a lot. They That's they both true. they both on the same day probably saw this little spot <laughs> and were like, I'm rolling, I'm putting all the eggs in this basket. And we're developing this area into more seaside. Hydrofoils versus cars. Only one can win. Picture. For some reason, Big Malarkey says that they can just use his cottage to yeah, stay. He's got a little place to hang out. Yeah. Just stay out there. And they're like, sure thing, Big Malarkey. You seem on the level. I guess, yeah, like, bad guy McEvilson would have just been a little too on point. But Big Malarkey, he's... And they trust Big Malarkey because he's a successful businessman. Yeah, successful and, businessmen are not bad people ever. And I kind of got the impression, he's like, I'm so sorry that you almost died in that cabin. You know, I have a cabin. If you, if you ever want to use it, just let me know. And they're yeah. like, today? Uh, yeah. Um, go right on in. And yeah, and then that's Big Malarkey. And who's... then a while later, he shows up there, and they're still there, and they're like, "Oh, we thought you said it was cool if we used your cabin." He's like, "I didn't say it was cool if you lived in my cabin," which is kind of the impression I get that the boys decided just to move into Big Malarkey. But they show up even after they're like, "He's he seems like he's a pretty shady character," but we'll go stay at his place. Yeah. Because they they feel I think there's just a sense of invincibility at this point. Yeah, you know they true. play Russian roulette for kicks because you know, what can in, kill them? Like, this is actually a good moment to go over some of the things they have been in caves that have collapsed, shipwrecks that have been filling with water. They've been tied up and burning buildings. What are they worried about? They've had so many guns pointed in their face. It's one of those things where somebody pulls a gun on them and they kind of do that like. They roll their eyes just a little bit, yeah. try not to roll their eyes, try to stay serious. And kind of just silently pray to themselves that this be the one. <laughs> yeah, just exactly. end. What if it's just all over? The I want, I so want to know. What, that's the last feeling they want. And yeah, they've had three near-death experiences in the just, last... Just today. 36 yeah, hours, yeah, 48 to 36 hours. Yeah, God, the incredible amount of times they've almost crushed, burned, shot. Stamped. Locked in a water they, tower. They've been locked in a water tower. <laughs> This, um, and we're actually getting to a point that really brought me back full circle to the being locked in a water tower thing. Mm -hmm. They don't really know what else to do, so what, they go to investigate Rand Sneepo's photography shop. Mm -hmm. They're like, I don't know, should we do what the girls suggested all that time ago? Yeah. And when they're there, they run into that guy who was painting the, um, the mm -hmm. pier, who, he's described as sandy-haired, but for some reason I imagined him... In Twin Peaks. Oh, Kyle MacLachlan. Yeah, exactly. I just imagined him as just like overly earnest and happy and just like, hey there, oh, fellas. Yeah, yeah they're, like they're in, a, they're in a plane that's like sputtering out and going down. He's like, well, looks like I took the wrong day to be friends with the Hardy Boys. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just cheerful the entire time. Yeah, and it, it turns out, oh, he's not a bad guy. He He's just sketching the marina. Yeah, exactly. Because he takes pictures of it. He, so he sketched it so yeah. you could take pictures from a plane to sell as... Postcards. Postcards. <laughs> and the boys. I feel like there's an extra step that you don't really need in there. <laughs> but whatever. Hey, I'm, it's his muse. So but, yeah, Jason yeah, Frank, is. Frank is not convinced though. And he wants to find out more about him. So he invites him. We're renting a plane for a spin this afternoon. Would you like to come along and take some pictures? We're licensed pilots. Which they've always needed a pilot before. They never talked about when they became licensed pilots. It just happened. They've, their dad has a pilot um, named Jack Wayne. And they've mm -hmm. also had another pilot that they've like uh, gone and chartered airplanes. So apparently now they're licensed pilots, because the story required. Yeah. That if you're in enough, they've been in enough crashing planes <laughs> to know what to do. do. They're like, you know what, I can fly a plane. Yeah. And they invite this guy who they don't know whether or not they can trust him to go up into a like a tiny little prop airplane with them. Mm -hmm. And because and then they go up in the plane and it immediately runs out of gas yeah. just within. <laughs> just comes like take off. So they do land it on a beach, and as they land on the beach, some dudes what drive up in a speedboat. 
mm-hmm. and leap off of a speedboat and hold them all at gunpoint. Yeah, and that was their plan. Was we and then they find out there's a hole in the tank, the in gas the fuel tank. tank. It was drilled in the fuel so tank. So they they've been sabotaged. I mean, that's some quality planning. The amount of math <laughs> that they had to go. Okay, they're gonna run out of fuel here and have to land at this. Be- we don't want them to just die in the ocean. We have to make sure they run out of fuel in a place where there's this beach, and then we can so ride here's, up. Here's one of my questions about that. Frank thought, let's fly up in this airplane with this guy, mm-hmm. like spur the moment as a way to try to learn more about this guy. This wasn't a thing that they had planned ahead of time. Mm-hmm. So the fact that the gang like hop tune was like, all right, get this speedboat, we're going here. Yeah. It was like a, mm-hmm. a lot of the things in this make me think of like Grand Theft Auto missions where yeah. you're like, oh my God, things didn't go to plan. Okay, swing it around and we're going to try to come down and then you come over here yeah. and it's just, yeah. Yeah, and they're just doing the, okay, they got three guys, they weigh, let's see, I mean, how much you want to think their combined weight is down 450? Yeah, 450, so that's going to do a fuel do burn rate. Do kind of plane they're even going to be yeah. in? How hard is the wind blowing? Let me check. Oh, and just. Yeah, and you can't Google yeah. any of this. No, they're just doing pencil math. I mean, these guys could have gotten us to the moon had they not gotten into stealing parts out of boats. Out of boats, But yeah. the plane lands exactly where they want it to. It doesn't yes. just kill all of them. Nope, everybody and, is fine. Except held up by magic. And then they're loaded onto the speedboat. Mm-hmm. The plane that they rented is never spoken of again, right? Yeah. They just leave it on that same yeah. car. Well, I imagine Fenton Hardy probably fixes a lot of insurance fraud. Yeah. So part of his thing is like, oh, you just got to give me, you know, full coverage on everything. No premiums. Yeah, you know, you cover, get a lot of money for us back. That's great. They don't know about his kids that are just constantly <laughs> crashing rental. And just leaving them in the middle of the ocean. So once again, they get tied up, beaten they, up. That's true. And locked in a closet. And I love this scene. The they get locked in this cabinet that's big enough for three people to be shoved into. But they're not tied up. Not anymore. Yeah, they're let out of their bonds, but just shoved into this little, like, shack. Yeah. And they're like, all right. First thing they do is talk about how they don't have a lot of air. Mm-hmm. And then they find a book of matches. And rather than take the moment to be like, don't light the book of matches, because matches consume oxygen, they're like, light it. Light as many as you yeah. can. And the one thing they find is a blowtorch that the bad guys left in there. And that really made me think of being locked in a water tower with nothing but a pile of crowbars. <laughs> Full circle. So yeah, they get to work blowtorching the lock. But again, oxygen. They suddenly get super woozy and pass out. Which I love. They're like, let's cut our way out of here. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, oh, wait. Oh, no. And they pass out. Bam. And then they wake up just fine. Jason wakes him up a second later. Oh, you boys just fell over. But fortunately, when you did, I found a, a, a latch. Because you imagine him just watching the boys with the blowtorch being like, what are they doing? That's the oh equivalent of like someone just us. like yanking, like pulling on a door to open it, just pulling and nothing happening and pulling and someone comes and pushes it. <laughs> That's the exact thing. Just, they didn't even look for like a catch or a button. No, they didn't, anything. yeah, try to, they just blow torch, boom. We know how this goes. Yeah. It's take, yeah, again, their assumptions They're, get them into trouble. Yeah, they, just, they didn't even take a second to look. But I also just like the idea of take, of stepping back and watching the Hardy Boys just struggle desperately <laughs> to the point that they go unconscious and being like, okay. And then gotcha. clicking the little button and pushing them out into yeah. the. But fortunately, the door opens into a slightly larger, like, trawl. Like, it's like a lobster catch shack. If they can swim under this large wall, they can swim out the other Uh, side. Yeah, they figure out a way to swim out. While they're in this room, they notice a red light shining, like, through one of the walls or something like that. 
they don't mention it here. Mm -hmm. They mention it later. That's a clue that the writer thought of later. Oh, yeah. They're like, oh, but how would they ever find that again? While I was in the shack, I saw red light. And they oh. just, yeah, so they swim, and the Hardys make it. But, but Jason, Jason does not. doesn't. And they're kind of, oh, well, we'll come back for him later. Assuming he didn't drown trying to make this difficult <laughs> swim that he or couldn't make. that he didn't try like two or three times and on the third time make it. And they were gone. <laughs> In the dark, they just swam off. But it didn't matter too much because no. a boat pulls up. the Hardy Boys. Yeah, the Hardy Boys, a boat pulls up. Hey, get those kids. They get pulled out of the water. Oh, they yeah, get that's beaten right, up again yeah. by a guy with a hook or a claw. Still never 100%. This will be an ongoing debate. Yes. One of the guys has a metal hook claw. It's described as he's missing a hand. So he has a cold steel claw, but his name is Hooks Zagurski. Whose name was Hooks before the tragic crime-related accident Where that he cost got, him his hand. And the fact that he didn't just get a hook is weird that he was like, no, I want a claw. Mm -hmm. They're like, no, Hooks, Zagurski. He's like, I don't care about that. Yeah, too literal. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, it's too obvious. A claw-ish that could be a hook, but who knows? It's either way, it's the defining feature of this guy who pulls him up onto the boat. <laughs> and then they take them and they say, you better stop looking into this, Hardy Boys. Give them flotation devices and throw them off the boat. Mm -hmm. And then sharks. Oh, the sun comes up. The That's sun right. comes they're up like, well, and they're like, water. oh, there's the bay. And it was very, very close. We just couldn't, <laughs> assuming this bay goes completely dark at night. The, this bay that was like a mile, yeah, or less than right. a mile away. You're right there. It's a short, it's an easy swim. And they waited until sunup because they're like, we don't want to swim to Europe. Yeah. You know, people, places where people park boats usually have some sort of light. In fact, I think they've been to the lighthouse. Yeah, they did. <laughs> they went out there and there was that guy who had pearls in his cave. <laughs> but they, uh, they swim back. There's, yeah. But then there's a shark. But then there's not a shark, it's dolphins. Yeah, it's just a dolphin, porpoise. I thought they were going to get saved by the porpoises. Attractive <laughs> young people in a catamaran, yep. cruising on by, and who one of them mentions outstanding service they got in renting the catamaran that morning. It comes up in casual conversation <laughs> with strangers. Their excuse for why they're in the middle of the ocean with nothing is, we fell off of a speedboat. And they were, they're never like, where did it go? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because they're they're still so blown away by the quality of service from who? Chet. Chet yeah. Chet just hitting homers all book long. The girl says the assistant there is very amiable. A little on the heavy side, but cute. He went out of his way to be helpful and had our boat ready in a jiffy. Frank responded dryly, yeah, we've met him. We found him helpful, too. Yeah. Yeah, dude, he saved your life many times. It, he could have been like, that's my friend Chet. He saved our lives nice. many times. Uh, that's, you can't let Chet have any kind of praise. I do like when they get home and they go tell their dad what happened. They're like, one of the guys had like a metal claw. And they were like, oh, that's Hooks is a Gursky. Yep. Oh, Hooks is he's a mean dude. He's serious. He's really dangerous. Watch out. Well, he had us at gunpoint and threw <laughs> us over. Like, he could have killed us many times. I bet didn't. you could go pick him up now and yeah. probably have him in jail in a couple of hours. Is he on parole or something? Like, no, he's just a known criminal who's at large operating freely in our mm -hmm. town. Hook Zagurski. He got even worse when he blew his hand off trying to, <laughs> was it blow up in a bank vault or something yeah, like that? Yeah, with nitroglycerin, he yeah. lost his hand. It's a real tragedy brought on by himself. Since then, he's worn a hook, a mechanical claw, with which he has been known to throttle a man or beat him unconscious. Why is he still out at large? He's beaten people unconscious and with throttled people with his prosthetic. Yeah, and this is clearly, for people thinking that it's one of those like mechanical string pull, like little no. hooks. No, it is clearly not described as that. It's no, a, it's a claw. Like clawful. 
But like, do you think it's like claw from Inspector Gadget? I'm like picturing like, like yeah, no, I'm picturing like a big solid metal, like almost like a metal catcher's mitt, but with like <laughs> smaller edges and rounded, just like you can just like kind of pick stuff up. <laughs> it's like a scoop. Very easy for like grasping bars. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, like an action mm-hmm. figure. Shout out to uh, old school Colossus action figure from the '90s. That had a uh, the barbell, the barbell, yes. and so his arms, his hands were kept in a almost his skin. hand exactly like yes. That. yes. Okay, that's the, probably that's the same color metal and everything. Then they go try to find. What the, does Fenton say he's going to uh, go do? He's going back to Shark Island because okay. they're looking for boat parts. <laughs> oh, just because came home to get like you know <sighs> a change of clothes and different outfits. In all the know. wackiness, we forgot that they ran into a guy oh, who's okay. like, "Hey, you guys need to buy some boat parts," and they're like, "Yeah, <laughs> yeah ski, ski." Ski, another great, yeah, Ski. Just Ski. That's henchman name, you know, that's, you can tell. I like how quick they were on their feet. He's like, you guys want to buy some bow parts? They're like, yes, we do, we need a bullhorn. And he's mm-hmm. like, cool, I'll get you a bullhorn. What's what your name? What you got? Yeah. And he's like, what's your name? He's like, Frank Hardy. <laughs> Famous detective? No attempt to be, you know, he doesn't say like, uh, yeah, it could have been said Tony Preto. Yeah. You know, no. Somebody starts a fire on the dock? Fenton's on the dock, and he's like, hey, you should go uh, see what's going on over there. I'll stay here. And I was like, why don't you go investigate, too? But I guess he would have had to charge them then. But when they get down to the dock, there's a fire. Oh, there, there had been a fire. There had been. People had started the dock on fire to try to stop people getting on the hydrofoil. I mean, even as somebody who supports the hydrofoil, I'd be like, look, um, Spencer, when you have the kinks ironed out, and when things calm down a little bit, maybe I'll ride the hydrofoil, but people are setting fire at the docks. Like... Maybe it's time to take things back to square one. Then again, he's just trying to provide a faster way. Or is it faster, the hydrofoil? Or is it the same amount of time as a bus? I, Seems like I'd, a better experience than a bus. I mean, I guess it depends on the route. Um, but I'd imagine the hydrofoil would be a tad faster, especially back, you know. Well, then I support the, the hydrofoil, and mm-hmm. I think that the community has to just adapt. Yeah, but these are paid agitators. That's true. They big malarkey is. He's, he's paying off the community. They end up in Cali and Iola's car. Yeah. And they just agree to take the dangerous, dangerous, dangerous hydrofoil home. Uh, all right. Yeah, sure. All right, girls. What could happen again? Like it's, I mean, we came out fine, so it's They fine. do find a red sign, and when they break in, they end up in a lobster tank. I like this part because it's just, what wacky comedy. Or like Frank jump. And because it's Frank who gets humiliated. Yes, they're usually... clinging to the legs of his pants, and, and Joe laughs uproariously, and Frank like yells at him, go ahead and make fun of me. Yeah, I like that he sits and dumps out. They specifically like takes his shoes off and dumps all the water out. And then they get in Callie's car. And I just imagine Callie when they get the car back to her being like, All right, thanks guys, and climbing in and then as she's driving, just being like, What is that smell? Smells like lobster. While they were off bumbling in the lobster tank. Yes. The gang showed up and cleaned out the harbor. (laughs) Just took it. The boys were trying to find the shack somewhere. Even took the sleuth. Oh, that's right. Even the sleuth is gone. But the radar tracker is on, yep. on the sleuth, so they can track it down. Thanks, Dad. They tell the police about Ski. They're like, yeah, he's the leader of a gang of young thieves who run in a wolf pack along the coast, which I was like, hell yeah, yeah. Ski. <laughs> like a school of sharks or something. I don't know what you're Yeah, saying. but on land, and they literally <laughs> run from harbor to harbor, wild and free. Their cardio is amazing. They they stripped half a dozen boats. The sleuth is gone. And the then, sleuth oh. is so nice, they took the whole thing. Fortunately, they didn't just leave the sleuth frame. Yes, <laughs> just the frame of the boat. They're like, it's got nothing. Like the, Each of the wooden panels of the floorboards have been pulled out. Why, though? How could that be worth more than the boat? They go down to the 
the harbor and there's a flotilla surrounding the flying express. The big malarkey is leading this flotilla. And he says, yes, I will tell you, you've heard about the vigilantes of the old west. They knew how to deal with horse thieves. Well, we're the Aqualantes of Cape Cutlass. And we know how to deal with boat thieves. Aqualantes. <laughs> Is that a respectful use of Spanish? I, I don't think that's a Spanish yeah, no. word. There's just a fist fight, right? Spencer and... Big yeah, Malarkey. or like a shoving, like kind of yeah. half-hearted. There's an altercation would be the... Big Malarkey, straight arms given. Oh, and Joe steps in the middle and gets hit and staggers and falls to the ground. And that kind of ends the fight. They use their radar thing and they end up, it's like what happens to me in a lot of video games where the like icon for where I'm supposed to go is in the distance and I approach the edge of a cliff mm -hmm. and as I get to the edge of the cliff, I'm just like, oh, it's getting down on the beach. <laughs> and so they fall down a cliff to where the surf is and I just imagine them like crashing down and sliding into the sand and the burrs and everything and standing up right next to Ski who's down there next to him and be like hey what's up man <laughs> he's startled so bad yeah. about that foghorn which is their pitch <laughs> which is what happens they walk up and they're like hey remember us you, you're gonna sell us that foghorn where's like, that foghorn you find me down here yeah, just falling off cliffs we missed a check-in with Bingo. We didn't get surfing. They haven't gone surfing in this mm -hmm. one. I don't think we've had an actual injury yet. Well, I mean, losing your hand to a nitroglycerin explosion, but that was a story told in retrospect. Mm -hmm. A plane ride where nothing bad happens, not yet. Sabotage, I have that one. Do we count the plane, the gas, oh, no, the plane is a trap? Yeah. A trap. Red herring. Have they followed a clue that's gotten them trapped? Just the lobster. Thing. <laughs> I guess that was, yeah. That wasn't really red herring. That was just incompetence. Mm -hmm. No school. Oh, I put school on here all these years ago. They've never gone to their school. If there somehow shows up a cult, I'll get bingo. But I don't think that's... Uh... We can argue that about astrology. We'll I will there. hear that as an we'll argument. We'll listen to that argument a little bit later. I think this is actually kind of a good ruse that they pull here. They are like, hey, actually, this boat's pretty fly, looking yeah. at the sleuth. And they're like, can we take it for a, a test run? And he's like, it's the middle of the night. No. And they're like, what are you, pussy? Yeah. Come on. <laughs> get on the boat. Get on the boat. Get on the boat. Get on the boat. And there's two of them and one of him. And he's a teenage boy, too. Yeah. And they get on the boat, and the minute that they get on the boat, he's like, and they take off to the open ocean, he's like, no, 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 no. And he tries to jump overboard, but they don't let him, and they just pin him to the bottom. And, yeah. just, and he's like, just the panic. Mm -hmm. they, they pull him out, because yeah, once he notices that Frank just really knows how to drive this boat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely his boat. And when they get to the, to the shore, he jumps off. Ski like breaks loose. Breaks loose, runs on to the dock, and is immediately punched in the stomach and then the face by Chet Morton. Bam! Chet two for two in fights. So Joe yells, groovy! Chet's like, how do you like that belt to the bread basket, Frank? Pow! He's all proud of himself. And I, and I also love following groovy <laughs> with belt to the bread basket. <laughs> they give Callie her stinky car back <clears throat> and uh, agree to stick around and look for some more clues. Oh yeah, Henry Chasen and waves just them wandering down. Around. Yeah. Hey yeah. fellas! Hey guys, they like how you look. Good I, for you. We never even, they never really they forgot about all it. about that. They were supposed to go back and save him, they say. Yeah, and then they're like, oh, lobsters. <laughs> Oh well, let's do some other stuff. The one place we looked, someone stole our boat. There's a missing person who's trapped in a place with not a lot of air. Mm -hmm. Well, the gang dropped them off. Makes sense because that, that's what he says. Oh, they just threw me in the water with a life preserver. <laughs> story checks out. Because it does sound like a weird story if that hadn't just happened to you. And he was like, yeah, I was pretty tired. So I hung out for a couple days. <laughs> so that's how long they've ignored him for. 
if he, you know, if he does turn out not to be on the up and up, he has every reason to dislike these boys. He's like, I like this. He's like, hey, where's your dad? It's about your dad. Where's your dad? Where's your dad at right now? Mm-hmm. And what's he look like? They're like, oh, we have a picture. And I forgot at the very beginning of the book, they make a point that each of the boys takes one of the passport photos. Yeah, they pick up their, their passport photos and see the person they're supposed to give them to several times, but do not give them <laughs> the passport also photos. Swim. They end up in the water. Several times. They're trapped in like a uh, smoke filled room. Yeah. These photos are uh, probably damaged beyond like being usable. Yeah. But he just pulls out a picture of Sam Riley. He's like, this is my dad. And he gives it to him. And Henry's like, okay, cool. Smart, but also, Who's wouldn't you that? also just say, oh, I don't happen to have a picture of my dad with me at this very moment? <laughs> Why would I? Not at our house? Why would I have In the picture? 30s? I'm a teenage boy. I don't carry around like wallet-sized photos of my family members. But Joe is confused. And he's like, why wouldn't you just tell him where dad is? And he's like, why not? Don't you agree that Henry Chasen is as honest as the day is long? I'm like, well, it's a weird way to put it. And yeah. no, we don't know this guy. Yeah, Frank actually showing some yeah, a little bit of foresight there. They did just totally sell Sam Radley out. Yeah. Like, this is my dad. Let's see. Oh, the boys, they learned a little bit about Rance Nepo and Henry Chasen. And then they go back to the cottage to await the zero hour of their next venture. I love that. I want to remember that forever. To await the zero hour of your next venture. Why did they decide they were going to go break in and her into this garage? Because that's where the grinder came. Somehow they got to the cops and the cops were like, oh, we know where that grinder was the purchased. The grinder to take off the serial numbers. So it's from a place called Atlas Garage. And who bought like, it? Or that's the person who bought the grinder. But the police don't get a warrant and go check that place no. out. The boys are like, we'll just go break in in the middle of the night. They don't make any like pretensions about their plan. Mm-hmm. They're going to go break into a private business in the middle of the night. And they do. And they see the parts. And then they get KO'd yep, by yep. a couple of Aqualantes. The Aqualantes who wake take them to Big Malarkey. Yes, who wakes them up and is like, you got KO'd by a couple of my Aqualantes. Which mm-hmm. is like one of my favorite sentences in the history of the Harding Boys. You got KO'd yeah. by Aqualantes. And then they're like, we saw outboard motors, come on. And then they go back there and there are no outboard motors. And everyone's like, you dumb hardies. You get a pass because your dad's. Which at this point hadn't become clear to me because I thought it was the Aqualantes caught them snooping around and right. it was all connected. Yes. No. no. The Aqualantes were following them, also broke into the garage, yeah. knocked them out and took them back. And, and then, then the thieves came and were like, let's get these real quick. Yeah. And then the thieves took all their stuff, hit all their stuff. But the Aqualantes don't corroborate that there were a bunch of engine parts in there. They just admit to assaulting a couple <laughs> teenagers and yes. dragging them away from the scene of a crime. But nobody has any um, faces any consequences for no. any of this. I do want to point out about once every five pages... Chet chimes in to find out when all the characters were born, mm-hmm. to say what their horoscopes are, and to say that the stars look bad for them and things yeah. are going to get bad. bad. In this one, he does the same thing where he's like, hey, guys, I found out Big Malarkey's birthday. And they're like, okay, what does that tell you? And he's like, well, it means he's a Virgo. So he's governed by Mercury and just like the rage that the boys must feel after being, yeah. after this, like, this is not helpful to the case in any way. And yeah. it really isn't. It doesn't even later no. become helpful to the case. And saying, hey, don't go in a plane or boat to the Hardy Boys. Yeah, they're like, I know. But yeah, like, it's going to crash. It's going to crash, but we're up. planning Whatever. for the crash. Mm-hmm. That's part of the trip. They place, uh, like, a spy listening device at the dock mm-hmm. to see if somebody tries to steal, and all it does is they hear a duck. And that takes up, like, a whole page. With the drawing. As if that's an important part of the story. A duck. Chet exclaimed in disgust. He was clearly... The- <laughs> a 
Disappointment? I can understand. Frustration? Sure. Oh, God. I think it was what the artist wanted to draw. They're like, you can draw whatever part of the book you want. And every time they drew the part that the people who got the illustrations back were like, a duck? (laughs) Why? He's like, I've been practicing ducks. They've also drawn, um, going back to some of the drawings, the drawings have been the guy painting, a guy sitting there painting when he was painting at the thing. The blowtorch, which is exciting. Like them using the blowtorch with the three. three. It was just... Three faces in a blowtorch. Mm-hmm. And that's that's been it. That's been our visual guide. A guy <laughs> painting the blowtorch and a duck. <laughs> a duck. And then Given shows up. He's got a restraining order for the Aquilantes. That's good. Really what? funny little bit that I really liked was that Big Malarkey takes out a newspaper advertisement. Come to Cape Cutlass in safety by car, train, or bus. What good is a discount if you don't live to enjoy it? After they talk to Chasen. They see like a photo of Rance Nepo, the photographer, like the, the camera. Because yeah, Jason's runner. talking to Rance Nepo. Yeah. They, they establish and, that they know each other. And Chet's like, I know that face. And he draws some curls around the face. And they're like, oh my God, that's that lady. Mm-hmm. Rance Nepo is our phony blonde. At the beginning, it was clearly set up, and I thought there was going to be an identity switch where people, somebody, the whole thing was the missing Sam Radley. Mm. But it doesn't matter. No, it doesn't matter at it all. It just foreshadows. It just I gives guess. away the twist, really. Yeah, it gives it away. It, like, it creates a thing that doesn't A thing that can in, happen, yeah. yeah. I guess it sets something up. I'm just not used to things like that in books like this. So, mm-hmm. uh, weirdly, for the Hardy Boys, they don't just immediately confront the dude and no. be like, you were in drag on that boat. Well, they go. They want to go tell Chasen that Nepo's not on the lo- level. Is this when they catch him? Um, well, first they go back to the marina and... Um, Is he a rowboat? Is that it? Yeah. Is the rowboat doing? <laughs> and it's been robbed again. <laughs> yeah, like, the marina's been the robbed Al Hinckley, the owner of the marina, doesn't think... Hire some security guards. Or why don't you hang out here for a bit, Al, and keep an eye on the marina? Mm-hmm. No, he just fires Chet again, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's like, well, I only got the one solution to robbery. Fire my assistant who doesn't know how to do this job anyway. But they see a rowboat and then they like dive down and see that the rowboat is towing all of the outboard motors, motors. <laughs> under the water. And so Joe, with his super, like, Namor the Submariner strength, yanks as hard as he can on the tow cable and it's hard enough that he shoots to the surface but also the rowboat capsizes yeah. what wow. physics be damn i'm just yes. picturing like in water world like dolphin kevin costner yeah. leaping out <laughs> but the joe. fact that joe has these aquatic abilities yeah and joe is 50 times stronger in water yes once he's in but the he's his he is subject to nitrogen narcosis yes oh my god what a weird uh that's one of those like Stanley kind of superpower is a disability thing. Mm-hmm. All right, so they found the stolen motors, and Al's like, I guess you can have your job back, Chet, but you got to clean out these motors because they were drugged along the bottom. Wah, wah, wah. Chet's got the best summer jobs. The guy who was in the rowboat, the two dudes named Eric Anderson and Robert Meyer, and they're like, Is your boss Hooks Zagurski? And both of them are like, do full on spit takes and cough all over each other, and are like, We, we, we never heard of We want a lawyer. Little, all right. Little addition, because yeah, they, oh man, when they, they pulled these guys back in in they the original the 30s, they were like, I want a lawyer, and they were like, Tough. <laughs> yeah. You get beaten with a phone book for 48 <laughs> hours. And then you say, Yeah, I know Hooks. Hooks. <laughs> Um, I'll know whoever you Sam's want. missing, and they think that Sam might have found out who owned those plates, and it might have gotten him into some trouble. 
Chet finds out he's just leaping Libra again, and it gets less funny every time he does it. Mm-hmm. But they're like, hey, it's not. We're not doing horoscopes right now. We're dealing with a man who has disappeared yeah. in mysterious circumstances. He's like, yeah, but when was he born? Mm-hmm. And they're like, December. He's like, okay, so he's a Sagittarian. This is the sign of the Archer. So they're smart cookies. Except the planets are a little out of kilter this month. The planets aren't out of kilter. The planets do the same thing. They're pretty predictable. But also, like, just all of this. He has a, he has one little book, and he says everything. He says every single thing that could be applying to the situation. Yeah. That's how horoscopes work. He mm-hmm. says one sentence, and each sentence applies to a different part of the situation. In a very vague way, yeah. They, they assume that Sam got jumped because they thought it was Fenton Hardy, which mm-hmm. is definitely what happened. Yeah, absolutely. That was. They could have just said, I don't have a photo of my dad. Yeah. That's all they had to do, but instead they threw his his gentleman his companion. Lucky, yeah, his hanging out on shit. They're just yeah. hanging out on they Shark Island. They just want to go back together, to Shark enjoying, Island. Enjoying the strip clubs. They find out that Hooks Zagurski is in Miami, Florida, because Chet called the state patrol board to find out when Hooks Zagurski was born so he could do his horoscope, and the state patrol board told him. So uh, he, and they also told him that he was in Miami. Like, yeah. they gave him his location and all the information. Last that, place we knew. That's right. Oh, they go back to the cottage, and mm-hmm. Mr. Malarkey shows up, up at his own cottage. Just, and they're like, he's, he's pretending to be friendly, but he's secretly keeping an eye on us. Yes, at his property. Yeah. Don't go back to his property. That's the thing. It's like, you think he's the bad guy. He tried to beat you. He did. His guys did beat you up the last time yeah. you saw him. You don't, you're not still allowed to stay at his cottage. Like, <laughs> take the hint. The idea that he would assume that because he had an explicitly revoked permission to use his property that they were still allowed to use it. But apparently he's fine with it. He no, comes he's in. like, oh, good. I'm glad you guys are still up here. It makes it really easy to track you down. Yeah, hey, thanks. They're at the cottage and then they find out that the Flying Express has been stolen. That was their one job mm-hmm. was to make sure that the Flying, nothing bad happened to the Flying Express and everything bad possible has yep. happened. And now it's just gone. It's just... <laughs> Problem solved. Not an issue anymore. I don't think they're getting payment on this one. His, 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 yeah, the owner, Spencer Given, his face contorts with rage. He's so mad. Um, I don't think I have anything more to add to my bingo. No secret passageways. When they fly to Miami, nothing bad happens. So I will get a plane ride where nothing bad happens. You've not had a minority? I've... No. No knockout gas, ghost. I see there has been plenty of trespassing. Oh, yeah. They made a plan. They Yeah, they've made no no bones about trespassing. Um, all right. It's not really a gang with a gimmick. They, they steal stuff. No. It's more just a guy with a gimmick. I was really hoping. It's a guy with a gimmick. Yeah, I was really hoping. But he's, yeah, he's kind of close to, we're getting more like super villainy kind of guys. Oh, they find a uh, a dollar. Yeah, a one dollar bill. One dollar bill. Weird drawings on it. And and at first, Joe's like, "This is going to my piggy bank." And he's like, "Wait, somebody drew on it, and everything's a clue. If you found it, it's a clue." Yeah. And someone has circled an S and an R. Sam Radley. Bam. Dropping dollars. And then they do a weird thing where they like rotate it, and they're like, "Okay, so the N is a Z now." And, and then with I and G. Oh, and they're like, so he wrote Zig on it. How much time did he have to draw on that dollar bill? He came up with the idea. He thought about it for yeah. quite a while first. So they know it's Zig. It's Zigurski. Hooks Zigurski. They find his wallet as well, which he could have just dropped his wallet. Sure. He realized that later. He's like, they're not going to find that dollar bill or it's going to mm-hmm. blow away. Yep. And then they do find out a little bit of background on Hooks Zigurski. Oh, right. Just that their dad put him away. It, yep. was, it wasn't clarified before. And they go into how... Then when he was in jail, he got super into astrology. Yes. And I, I feel like as the Hardy Boys, I would be pissed to hear that. Be like, no, not astrology. Don't. Yeah. Chet's, Chet's never going to uh, let this go. Yeah. Fortunately, it doesn't really. And so he gets super into astrology and starts like making his plans 
by the signs. Um, you think that it's going to be something like, so he's going to go to this place, and Chet would say, like, no, Geminis are duplicitous. Mm -hmm. So rather than do that, he would do a double fake because he's, you know, so into his drop. No, nothing like that happens. Mm -hmm. There's no, no, like, Chet doesn't get to actually use his knowledge in any oh, way. Oh, no. Then this is when he goes from being Hook Zagurski to Zodiac Zig. Which is almost as good as Hook's. I don't even know which one's better. I, I think Hook Zagurski with a hook, but then I love the whole thing of, like, he became Hook Zagurski, lost his hand, got a hook, and he's like, well, right. I got to change my nickname. <laughs> I'm not going to be Hook Zagurski now. Hook Zagurski. <laughs> You're right, because it was the accident where he blew up his hand that he yeah. ended up in jail. Mm -hmm. So he blames their dad yes. for getting his hand blown up. And, this and making him live up to his, yeah. real, his name. He yeah. hates that. That's what he's so... Mm -hmm. But he blew up his own hand. Okay, yes. whatever. And then he is kidnapped Sam Radley, thinking, thinking that he spent it because he sent the wrong guy because they just had a picture and yes. he outsourced. But why doesn't Zodiac no. know what the yeah. man who put him away looks like? And stop me, stop me if I'm crazy. Okay. But if you have in captivity the sons of your sworn enemy, me, who you're trying to kidnap couldn't you somehow leverage them to get him to come to you yes or but what has happened many times is that it's the sort of thing where the crooks find out that they have fenton hardy's kids and immediately are like oh, oh no, no. Like, he's coming here yeah it's a it's the moment where you hear like booms in the distance yeah, and like, gunshots you killed john wick's dog yeah exactly <laughs> exactly but yeah, but they're his son. But no, they don't. He doesn't do anything with that. So he's he's and which I respect. He's not here to hurt the youth and the innocent. He's trying to get Fenton Hardy. Yes. Why does Malarkey get arrested? Who does he attack? Because uh, Frank hits him with a flying talker. I mean, obviously the assault the night before. It doesn't really matter. Mm -hmm. Malarkey gets arrested for a bunch of stuff this yeah. week. Yeah. But not the main. Like he's not in any way connected to. The, the main overall crime. main crime. No, he gets arrested more for his, like, organizing the protests. I do like that he pushes over all the officers and they go over, like, uh, bowling pins. I imagine it like like Kingpin from Spider-Man. Like, and then they just go down. Like, how, are they, how is he that strong? But he's and he does knock Chad into the water on his way out. Yes, and they good. save. And then Henry Chasson just pops out of the water and hey saves Chad. Yeah. Hey. So knowing about the astrology chet's able to tell them that zagurski's he's uh, gonna go for it fast yeah he's gonna take action soon or he's not he's waiting till on what day because it's gonna be his birthday if he's obsessed with it he won't do anything until his birthday but then like whatever he's gonna do he's gonna do on his birthday yeah and you're like he's waiting for his birthday to do the big score okay yeah. well, we could have guessed or the that. day after his birthday they go to tour a prison very end of the book they go to take a little prison tour mm -hmm. why I don't remember to find out more about Hook Zagurski, but they're allowed to just sort of wander free mm -hmm. in the shop area of the prison where someone who they said like, oh, he seems real shady and he used to be a bad guy, but he's all right. Mm -hmm. And then he tries to kill the boys by what? Dropping a, a blade on them? Yeah. Like a very, it's because it's in a workshop. It's like yeah. a rehabilitation, like the people looks, who are doing so really well. Frank walks directly under a large shear that no one was using. The long blade hovers motionless above a sheet of metal on the plate beneath. He admired the clean line of the machine, 
And then the blade go like immediately starts moving towards him. The fact that the person who was giving the tour watched this teenage boy walk directly under a blade and stare right <laughs> up at it. But they're fine. And that guy uh, immediately gets captured and turns out he still works for Hook Zagurski inside the prison. And I guess that guy was really willing to blow his whole parole to yeah. openly murder somebody. They could have killed, like, thanks what for- What the hell does Hook Zagurski have on this particular guy? That's a whole right? investigation that the police now have to open. Their dad's back in Shark Harbor, so they have to go get him again. Benton just cannot stay out of Shark, Shark Harbor. Harbor. Those boat parts, are, yes. it's very important. They've already been stolen, Dad. Now they're robbing other places, though. I know, but... but that's the bar he's hanging out <laughs> Yeah, in. it's called Shark He doesn't Harbor. even care that Sam's gone. No, that's He's not, true. like, out looking for Sam. He's like, honestly, Sam can be a lot, boys. Yeah. Like, uh, I could, we, you know, sometimes I need a little bit of time. Sam calls mm -hmm. a lot. It's like, I don't try to rest. You guys are always getting kidnapped. You get out of it fine. Why should I worry about Sam? Good point, Dad. They fly to Miami at this point and nothing bad happens. And then they immediately right. find out that he flew to Boston. So then they go to Boston. Mm -hmm. But then they don't get to go to Boston because the plane turns around because there was a bomb scare. I don't know. <laughs> okay. It's very, it it's was like, very quick. It was like, huh, what? Yeah, it's like and then they're back in Miami. Yeah, they go, immediately they go back to Miami. But they don't do anything. And we, they then, just go talk to the bomb squad and bother the bomb squad <laughs> while they're looking for a bomb. Yeah. Like, would you find anything yet? Hey, is there a bomb? Is there a bomb? What are these boys doing on the tarmac? Yep. Nope, no bomb. And then they fly to Boston. Yep. So I, God, I can believe forgot about that that i read two days ago yeah <laughs> chet agrees to fly up to meet them just to get a plane ticket and fly to boston yeah as well his Let's parents are like whatever chet. get away from us i feel like we could really use chet's help he has been really doing a good job this um mm -hmm. this time around instead of chet though henry chasen shows up and he's like oh chet is following the thieves and said i should go and they're like, cool, checks out, that's fine. Mm. Don't, no, bad detectives. Yeah. You already didn't trust this, this guy. This guy conveniently keeps popping up, but he yes. seems on the level. Yep, that's true. He didn't seem sore about the whole leaving him to die thing. They try to call Chet to see if he had any new dope, but they couldn't get through to him. No new dope from Chet. And then, and then the artist is like, well, there was a big storm. Lots of lightning knocked out the, the phones. And you're like, yeah, really? Sure. Yeah. Sure, why not? The no. boys don't read the weather. They leave a note for Chet about where they're going because they think Chet's still going to show up. Yeah. Which, that's good. That's, that's, that's good fine. friendship. And yeah. if not, it's just a note that mm -hmm. nobody understands. And Chasen, like, rides along with them for a bit. They're going to a place called High Rock. They think that's where the deal is going. Down. Oh, yeah. To some, some How tiny piece. How do they lose piece? Henry Chasen? Because they end up sneaking up on him. I don't know. They end up separated, and when they finally catch up to him, it's him and Hooks Zagurski. He's like, I lost him. Is like, all right, brother, where's the merchandise? Which is like, I have a brother. We don't call each other brother that mm -hmm. often. And just like, but it, it's good for exposition. They gave me the slip. I don't know where they are, except they can't be far away. The reply came like a clap of thunder. You stupid Capricorn. <laughs> I love that. Like, yeah. Capricorn. And then, yep, all to the big shock, Henry yes. Chasen has been, it's been a plot all along. It's all right. tied together. And the boys were fooled. And I was so, uh, so proud that the boys' judge of character was thrown all askew. Because that, mm -hmm. that should happen more and more as they get older. Yeah. The people become more gray. Yeah. And they, they kind of get noticed and then take off. And they're running. And then Chet, like, roars up on her motorcycle, all cool, and they jump on the motorcycle, and then it doesn't go. Mm -hmm. And I thought maybe it was because there were three of them. Probably. The it's just a little too heavy. <laughs> um, but they get tackled. And then does Chet just drive away? Oh, no, he, he leaps off the motorcycle. motorcycle. And they fight. and they Because, yeah, the Hardys get immediately taken down and roped. And then the way it's written now is, like, <laughs> the Hardys get taken down and cuffed. And then Chet springs into action. 
and like nails Henry. Yeah. And gets taken. And, gets, and then gets a steel claw around his head. Yeah, gets the claw around his arm. The claw. I do like too that then they say to Hooks and Henry, so you said, so your brothers? Hooks is a jerk. He's like, we're half, half brothers. brothers. Don't make more of our relationship than it is. And I wow. Because yeah. <laughs> I always, I always make sure that people know my sister is my half sister. It's important. We do not share one parent. <laughs> I just want that look from Henry to be like, okay. I thought this, we were doing crime stuff together. We finally, (laughs) after years. And um, they all get, they take them onto the hydrofoil. That's right, the stolen flying express. So it all all ends on the big ship. They find Sam. And Sam is clearly bloodied and bruised and has been beaten and and kept there for quite a while. And this is when Hooks finds out it's not Fenton Hardy. (laughs) It's when Frank says, hey, Sam. (laughs) You morons! Shaking his hook, <laughs> clanking around. You he's, took the wrong guy. He's been he's been happily beating, and Sam's just been taking it, being like, "Yeah, I'm Fenton Hardy, whatever." When he could have at any point been like, "I'm Sam Bradley. You can check my. I'm Sam Bradley. You can check my." Oh, wallet. I dropped my wallet. He dropped his wallet. <laughs> Damn it, Sam! And Sam just got tortured. <laughs> oh, did Fenton come to save me? He's out looking oh my God, for no. you. <laughs> Chet again, total MVP. Throws off the two people who have him. Well, first, I got to mention before this happens, because the commotion is because out of anger... Oh, right. Hooks throws (laughs) Jason over the board. And so most of the crew is like, what? And they run over and save that guy. This is why everyone's so afraid of Hooks. He's thrown to a rational... He'll just throw you overboard. His own brother. His own brother. Half. Half brother. Don't make more of their relationship than there is. But they take this moment and Chet (laughs) throws the two people off of him. Dives into the water and then begins swimming to shore. So then Zagurski yells, stop him. And they turn and hand out rifles and start firing rifles into the water. So I imagine Chet, like, under the water as the bullets are, like, you know, trailing past him. And he's just diving through. Frank and Joe and Sam do start attacking the riflemen. Joe even says, sorry to spoil your aim to a guy who's trying to shoot his friend. Mm -hmm. But Chet gets to shore then gets to his car, gets the car started, manages to swing the car around as it's being shot with rifle fire, pull behind a boulder, and then use the headlights on the car to signal the Coast Guard, which then, I guess, didn't hear all the gunfire, mm-hmm. but do see the lights flashing. And then they realize that the uh, that wasn't Frank or Joe. No. Chet. That's Chet. Hold. MVP of this MVP book. MVP of this book. In 20 books. How far Chet Morton has gone Mm -hmm. from the scared, doesn't do anything to help, falls down into a pile of rotting fish to uh, amazing acting. They would have been nowhere with this book. Like, Chet was it. This was Chet's. This book should have been called Chet's Time to Shine. Chet's Time to Shine. The boys, they just start throwing shit at the propellers. Yeah, life jackets, too. (laughs) Their their big plan is let's just snare up the hydrofoil. That's not bad. That's a D&D thing to do. Where Mm -hmm. you're like, what if we just throw shit at the propellers trying to break them? And they're like, all right, roll. Roll, Yeah, Yeah, roll strength. And they hit the 20. Yeah, exactly. And And the Coast Guard. Gets wrapped around it and snaps one of the propellers. The damage they did to this boat that they were supposed to protect. At least it's still there. They it's got still it. there. That's they, true. You said get it back. You didn't say how or in what shape. Zagurski doesn't understand when the Coast Guard shows up because he says, what's wrong with the Zodiac anyway? And they're like, nothing's wrong with the Zodiac. But there's a lot wrong with Zodiac Zig. And I like that the boys didn't develop mm. any like biases yeah. against the Zodiac. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he just immediately... Um, gives up everything. Gives up everything. Turns out Givens was actually the one hired to disrupt the hydrofoil. Right. And he's like, 
but my brother's like the criminal, so he brought him in sure. on this. How he got hired in the first place, if he's not the muscle or criminal mastermind. Oh, yeah. They, yeah, they also don't really explain why the guy who stole the jackets, Nepo, like what his, yeah, like how he was involved at all at the start or why he would be involved. He was just part of their gang. Just he was just the, the guy who was, was around. Yeah, he was money. taking some money. That's why he was a creep. And, um, yeah, and the whole boat ring. And the guy in the bulldozer guy. Mm-hmm. And then they were like, all right, well, there's one loose end to tie up. What were those license plates about? And this made me angry. This is not the resolution to any part of the mystery. They're your Aunt Gertrude's from like 20 years ago. Some dude used to collect license plates. You used to own that shack. Yeah. We were coincidence. Wah, wah. And they all have a laugh, and that's like the freeze frame laugh moment. At the end. Like, it's Aunt Gertrude's license plates. Aunt Gertrude had a car. Ha, 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 Produced no, by. I do want to say there is a little, there is one no. little more piece. Because mm-hmm. they say, so you found that boathouse, didn't you, Sam? And he said, yes, I did. And he said, is there a red neon sign near it? Sam says, not a neon sign, but one with red incandescent bulbs, which road construction companies use. A new highway is being built in that area. The warning sign is large, and that's why you spotted the glow beyond the boathouse. What does it say? It says, end of the road. And on that note, that is the final uh, book in the Hardy Boys mystery series that we're going to take on. Um, that was quite an adventure to end out. I mean, I like yeah. that it took place mostly in kind of the Bayport area. Mm-hmm. It involved all the classics. I like that the Queen made a final like appearance at the beginning. Yeah. yeah well, thank you so that much for being it. a part of this Thanks from the very beginning. Me. That was a great run watching the evolution of the Hardy Boys. Yes, you read three. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that they did evolve over time? That they went from uh... definitely. I mean, the stakes became are because the first one was just like a missing right. will, right? Yeah, and, and then the next one. I don't even remember what the what happened at midnight. There was oh, the, that's right. And there was a guy with a hook. There was a minor amount of peril, but again, nothing nothing serious. Exciting. But in this one, I mean, they're hanging off hydrofoils. They're getting thrown repeatedly in and out of the water. Yeah, crashing planes. Yeah, I love all the wacky things that happen to the hydrofoil. Mm-hmm. I didn't get a, a bingo for our final one, but I think that's par for the course. That's more either. normal. Yeah, that was right. very close. I'm going to say goodbye. And thank you, detectives. Thank you, everybody who listened to the show. Keep your ears open as we await the zero hour of our next venture. Thank you, Mike. You're very welcome. I want to thank everyone for listening to the Hardy Boys Drink Book Podcast. It means so much to me that despite our sporadic release of episodes, people still tune in. This podcast has never had a massive following, but the fact that people do listen really has helped me through these last few years. My life has changed a lot since I started this podcast, and though we've dealt with all sorts of technical and production issues on the show, more than anything, it has been a lot of fun to make. I love talking to this many funny and smart people about these bizarre and stupid books. The bars that have been featured on our show have been so gracious and welcoming, and I am eternally grateful for that. First, I want to thank Taylor Trask and the Panelism Network for giving us a home for our show. I want to thank Danny Overby for creating our theme, which I never get sick of listening to. And I want to thank my wife for all of her help with photography and for making our logo. And obviously, I want to thank my brother, Jack Wefso, for co-producing the show and being with me through these last crazy few years. I want to thank Mike Marlowe, Adrian Bishop, Mitch Slevick, Jess Robley, Amelia Wagner, Kellyn Wells, R. Allen Brooks, Josh Hartwell, James Thompson, Missy Moore, Patrick Sullivan, Jose Zuniga, Casey Dollavalley, Brian Cusick, and Chelsea Ochoa. Thank you so much for being guests on my show. I also want to thank Hudson Hill, Retrograde, Pearls, Sputnik, Tuies, St. Ellie, The Squire Lounge, Racines, Cap City, The Celtic, Avery Brewing Company, St. Paul's Tavern, and Gerard's Pool Hall. Thank you all so much for letting me into the bar and for letting me interview these great bartenders. 
So this looks like the end of the road for the Hardy Boys Drink Book Podcast, but who knows? We may get a desire to check in on these idiot boys again. Until then, you can listen to episodes of our spinoff show, The Drunken Gumshoes, and there's always great stuff to listen to on the Panelism Network. For today's drink, I'm having a big glass of water. Thank you again. Keep solving mysteries. <laughs>